Welcome to the Anvil podcast from Church's Bookshop. That's Georgia. That's Andrew. That's Linda. And I'm Ray. And just a reminder, as always, that we don't represent any particular organisation or denomination. We're all just talking off the top of our heads as friends. As you heard, we are joined again by the lovely Ray for this week's session. We're going to be talking and reviewing the book Still Emily by Emily Owen, which is published by Sarah Grace Publishing. It's a fantastic book. Well, I think it is. I'll have to find out what everyone else thinks. So, Linda, what did you think of it? Oh, well, I really enjoyed it, actually. I, I sometimes struggle to get through a book just because something in my brain goes, oh, well, if you have time to read, then it must be sleep time. But it really, I thought she just had such a lovely writing style that it was really easy to read. And it was a nice manageable length as well. And just really engaging because it's a, her personal story. You know, she's had such an interesting life story. So many things have happened to her. And just, she has a really lovely tone to it. It's a very reflective book. It's not bitter at all. It's just kind of, here is some stories of what's happened to me. And here is what I've learned through that experience. And just a really good balance of honest and positive. I, I definitely agree with you there. I thought it was a really engaging, engaging book that sort of got you into the story straight away. And I, I was lucky enough to have met Emily briefly before I'd read the book. Apologies for the sound of my dog sniffing the microphone. We're very <laughs> professional here at the Anvil. I, I had met her briefly beforehand and, and knew a bit of her story, but the book just brought you straight into it and you lived the story alongside her. I should should have said earlier, but I'm going to say now instead, because I forgot, as I said, professionals. Still Emily's story of Emily Owen, who as a teenager, who was multi-talented, musical, athletic, overachiever in every way, she uh, was diagnosed with a condition called neurofibromatosis type 2. Yes, I said that in one take, in which tumours grow on nerve cells and need to be removed periodically. And as a result of this, she has completely lost her hearing and has also suffered some other issues as a result of that. So that, that's what the book is about, the story of, of her sort of discovering what it is to, to be Emily through all this stuff and her faith through it. And I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and this just really follows on from our episode last week where we were talking a bit about chronic illness. So if you haven't listened to that yet, uh, that might be a good place to start. But Emily's book just brings a real life angle on that whole discussion. Well, I don't very often like read biographies. I think this is probably like maybe one out of five I think I've ever read. And I just really love the writing style of it. Like I picked it up. It was just really easy to follow along with the writing it was just really good. It was so good. I was nearly crying. I don't know how many different points of this book. It's, it felt like the way that she'd written it, it was like she was having a conversation with me, like you were talking to an old friend. Kind of contradictory. I thought contradictorily. Contra- how do you say that? You got it right first time. Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> kind of whatever I'm trying to say. I found it both a really easy and a really difficult read. I think in one sense, I agree with what everyone said. She's such an engaging writer that you're kind of sucked into her story and you really you really care about it from really early on. And very similar to her race, I think it's written in quite an almost a conversational style. You really feel drawn into it. At the same time, I have quite literally been crying all day reading it. It's so emotional. There's so much that he goes through. And I think particularly because he goes through it with such patience and faith and she's not writing in a you should feel sorry for me or oh where is me way she's writing in this really hopeful 
positive style about this really really hard stuff that I just found myself crying over and over and over again and I think also for me there were some bits that were a bit too similar to kind of my own story that we talked about a bit last week I've not been nearly as ill as Emily has been but the experience of being one moment being a normal very busy very active teenager and the next moment not was something I really related to and I think there were times where it kind of brought a lot of that back up for me as well so I suppose it comes with a bit of a health warning then if if you're somebody who has suffered chronic illness it might be a little bit of a difficult one to get through but something very honest and relatable about it yeah I agree with you and I think it could be difficult to get through and I think also it could be really helpful it probably kind of depends where on that journey you are when I was reading it I, again I was like so close to, to like full-on sobbing when I was reading it at points there's a kind of a like a tone the whole way through of just feeling a sense of peace when you're going on the journey with her you know like when you read a book and you get to the end of it and you're like I don't feel like I'm finished with it yet and there's no second book and you get to the end and you don't really know where you're going I felt like this she just I mean I'm getting to the end already but she wrapped it up so beautifully and I'm like she just I don't know the waterworks were like so close I was trying to hold it together for the end but she just it was just such a gentle and like beautiful way to bring you along on her journey. I wonder if we've got any sort of deeper thoughts. Anyone want to add anything that's, you know, a bit deeper uh, or particular things they drew out of the book? Yeah, okay. So I think one point that really shone out to me through the whole book, she references at one point the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I thought that was a really good theme to pull out because, I mean, there are so many things that happen to her in her story. Having to adapt from being, you know, loving music to suddenly not being able to hear anything at all. There's examples of things where she has really fought against the illness and achieved incredible things that she still wanted to be able to do and maybe had to adapt to a new way of doing. But then also that willingness to accept the things that absolutely can't be changed and to have that that peace within which is just an amazing example and I think something that that everybody can learn from but is particularly necessary if you if you suffer a chronic illness. Yeah I, I think on that point one of the things that she mentions at one point is she's telling this story about after the first operation I think it was there were some complications and she ended up having to kind of learn to do everything again and one of the first things she was doing was she was trying just to learn, well, just to get her body and her muscles used to getting out of bed and literally just sitting in a chair. And that was really, really challenging. And it was so frustrating that such a simple thing was so challenging. And the physiotherapist challenged her to get out of the bed and sit in the chair for 30 minutes. And she only managed 20. And she mentions how she had to learn to focus on the 20 minutes she could do, not the 10 minutes she couldn't. And then that was a lesson she had to take forward and always have her mind on the 20 minutes he could and I think that's that's something that's been very very true to me and probably actually one of the reasons that I found reading it quite challenging is that I very much try and focus on all the things that I've been so lucky that I have been able to do and that I still am able to do and all the new things I've been able to do and opportunities I've had because I've been ill rather than focusing on the things I've maybe missed out on or the things I can't do and reading it kind of reminded me of all the stuff I can't do 
but at the same time Emily writes with such hope and such focus on those the 20 positive minutes and it's a really hopeful message that you can just having the right attitude I think I agree with you there yeah it's a really interesting point she draws up because if you meet Emily she's such a friendly smiley person who's always sort of chatting with anyone seeing the best in every situation and in the book she's really raw and honest about how much pain she had to go through to get to this this point and I think it that's one thing where she said these things she wasn't able to do and she had to be aware of what she couldn't do so that she then could celebrate the things she could the story is told so well in a way that really passes a message on for everyone not just those who suffer from chronic illnesses I think we could all take a lesson from Emily there yeah and I guess that kind of relates really well back to the the tagline of the book looking for rainbows in the silence and I think that that's something that comes across really well is that sense of hope that she has throughout everything that there are these rainbows these beautiful moments and beautiful lessons to learn in everything despite and not to negate the fact that what she went through and is going through is something really really difficult but the fact of being able to look for those rainbows, those bright moments, those life lessons, whatever it is, that is something that is really helpful in, in coping and actually getting the best out of life. Yeah, I think that's something that she does really well. And it's a theme that she comes back to throughout the book and at various stages of her story. Those rainbows might look very different, but she's always able to, to come back to them and, and spot them. Yeah, I think one of the other things she mentions, again, on that kind of, that theme of being really optimistic and seeing the positives and the good things, is she she talks about how when she was first diagnosed and first ill, she really struggled to to see how God could still use her and actually maybe to believe that God would still want to use her because she felt really broken and weak and like she'd lost a lot of herself and there were a lot of things she used to be able to do that she couldn't anymore. And it's been a, a journey of learning that God can and does still use her. And one of the things I picked up on there was that there were sort of two elements to that. One was that he uses her because of this sort of illness and disability he's given her. And Emily now is, as well as an author, she's also a speaker. She goes around, she talks to teenagers about disability. She spends time with other people who are disabled, encouraging them. She talks about her faith and her testimony of having this this faith in God through all the challenges she's been through but God also uses her kind of I suppose despite or regardless of the illness in the a lot of in fact all the other books she's written aren't about her illness the illness doesn't feature they are just wonderful devotional Christian books that bring people closer to God and I think realizing the duality of that that God can use you because of what you're going through but it's also okay to want to want that not to be your whole identity and that he uses you regardless of what you're going through as well. And I thought there was a really beautiful example of that being used because of what she's gone through. There was a lovely story in there about when she was at a conference and she saw somebody come in late and recognised something in her that she was struggling to hear and, and felt distant and was able to welcome her and because of what she'd been through was able to understand something that hadn't been communicated and was able to just offer her exactly what she needed in that moment 
I think that's something that I relate to really strongly, even though I've never suffered with a chronic illness. I know that with my mental health stuff that I've been through, I can be in tune with other people who are going through similar things in a way that I just never could before I'd experienced any of that. And I think that's a really powerful thing to be able to have that shared experience with someone. It doesn't make it better, but it it, it means that you're able to then offer something that that you couldn't otherwise. I think as well, she she balances it really well because she said that God still uses you, but at the same time is also saying that your your value isn't in your works or what you do. So she, I feel like she balances those two points really well because it's like God still uses you even if you are sick, but at the same time you don't, like you are just valuable because you are who you are. There's a part of the book where it talks about because she can't hear anymore after like a lot of surgeries that she's had. She doesn't go to concerts anymore because obviously can't hear them. And there's just a beautiful moment where her mum comes upstairs and she thinks her mum's coming up to say goodbye. And she kind of like looks around and her mum's like sitting down in a room with her. And she doesn't understand why she's not just going to the concert. And it's like, she's like, it's fine. You know, you can go. You don't need to worry about me. But she's like, no, it's okay. I'm going to stay home. And it's just like, you can't fix what's wrong with the person, but you can be there to support them. And just the way that her mum comes alongside her in just such a beautiful way. And it kind of touches it a little bit on it towards the end of the book as well. But just the way that people come alongside her and support her and they can't fix it. There's such a way that she honours other people in the book as well when she's talking about hit illness and she just honours the people that have looked after her in such a beautiful way. It's kind of a very selfless way that she talks about being sick. Yeah, so that really was on my heart and that really touched me as well. The way her family and, and her friends kind of came around alongside her in the story is is really powerful. And actually, you mentioned that she comes back to that at the end of the book. And I think there's just a really lovely kind of whole page of different examples of ways that friends and family can show that they love her. And it really got me thinking actually about you, Ray, and the different family and friends around you and the the very different ways that people express that love. In particular, she mentions children or younger siblings and kids that she knows who are able to just really naturally say oh um Emily's ears don't work properly to their friends who might not understand and just explain what they need to do to keep her included I think kids can often be just the most accepting of change and of differences and I think it's very easy sometimes to think that you don't want to maybe inconvenience other people um, particularly when it's younger people and children and things but I actually think it it does kids an awful lot of good growing up around people who have some kind of disability or a chronic illness because it just grows that kind of empathy and that it normalizes it all and I think that's a really valuable thing. I think I really picked up as well on that bit about the impact that it has on the people around her. I think that's something I really related to, I suppose. She talks a lot, particularly about when it first hits her and she's still a teenager and she's got three younger siblings at home and she's really, really keen on it not affecting her younger sisters. And she doesn't want them to be impacted by it. She wants it to be her problem that they don't have to deal with and she wants them to be protected from it. And her having to come to terms with the fact that she can't do that, that it is going to impact their lives and there's no 
there's no way around that that's just the reality of it and I think you know when I first got ill as a teenager I had younger siblings at home that I felt very similarly about and even today my sister is 21 now and I still feel really guilty if I catch her kind of worrying about me and my health and wanting to to do things for me because you know that I'm like got low energy that day or whatever because it's so innate in me that I'm the oldest and I should be the one protecting her if you shouldn't be worrying about me or protecting me and when you get a chronic illness particularly I think if you're the older sibling that relationship does change and it shifts because it has to and having to kind of come to terms with that and make peace with it and see the really positive ways in which it's impacted my relationship with my sister but actually lots of relationships has been really challenging but I think also sometimes really really positive that you've ended up with much much better stronger healthier relationships as a result yeah I, I definitely think that adversity can breed strength while I haven't really got much experience of chronic illness my little sister has down syndrome and some other other difficulties and as a family I just I know that we are as close as we are because we all share that together and she's just part of the family so people often sort of they say to me, oh, you know, it's amazing how as a family you do this. And it's just, well, that's what we do. We're a family. She's included. That means that we adapt things for her. Uh, I guess it wasn't so much a learning for me because I kind of grew up with it. My sister's only a year and a half younger than me. But just the reality that this impact is on everyone, but that's okay because we all impact on each other and we just make it work. I think Emily's sort of got a great story of how her family just makes it work. Yeah, I would say that reading it, one thing is you, you really come to care about Emily and just really relate to her if you if you really bring you in the story, but you also come to really love her family. She obviously has such a great family and they're clearly so close and you can really see that in, in the writing and the way they're interacting with each other and dealing with it all together. The way that she talks about feeling that guilt and then you kind of are on the journey with her and she's kind of, as she's processing that and it's like these people in her life, people that in like our lives, Georgia, like Andrew, Linda, the people that have stayed, that are there to help. They help normalise the situation. You can see her process that as, as it, she goes through the journey. These people want to be there and they are helping me and they are choosing that. And it's another nice moment where it's like these people have stayed and they are choosing to do that. And it's not something we should feel bad about or guilty about. Yeah, I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier as well about learning that your value isn't in what you can do, it's in who you are. And you lose some of that guilt for the people in your life and the impact on them when you realise that they don't love you because of what you do for them. They love you because of the person you are and they want to be with you because you're you, not because you look a certain way, or you can do certain things or you have certain talents or anything like that. And I think that's a really tough thing to accept, but a really important lesson for all of us and one that chronic illness maybe forces you to face faster. The other thing that Emily strings out is she does ask why. Uh, she doesn't let herself dwell on it and I, that's sort of a real lesson that this thing's happened to her that for, for any of us would, would feel like a calamity it, it feels like the world falling down and she doesn't do what you see some people do when they sort of pretend that oh it's you know I never even asked why I just get on with it particularly people of faith feel like that's I think a lot of people feel like that's not okay Emily makes it really clear that yeah you know she asks why sometimes but that she she works through that I really agreed with you in that I think it was almost so important to be given permission to ask why and to question God but then she brings you on to a place where she's going but you have to accept when there isn't an answer right now and maybe the answer won't happen in this lifetime 
And I, I think it is really true that you can end up with this kind of guilt of maybe I'm not faithful enough if I'm questioning God on this, if I'm not able to just accept it immediately and fully. But you couldn't read Emily's story and think she was anything but amazingly faithful. Like what shines through in the book more than anything else, I think, is how much faith she has and how much peace that gives her in the situation she's been in. And it was really helpful to me to see that that faith and peace and acceptance doesn't have to be something that you just instantly have. That's something that can be a journey that you work towards and that you, that's always a journey and a constant kind of constant refreshing of them. 100% agree. I'm a huge believer in being able to ask questions that are on your mind. And I think I've seen uh, that where a lot of Christians will feel insecure about asking questions because they feel like it undermines their faith. And they think, oh, if I had faith, I wouldn't have all of these questions. But I actually think it's the opposite. I think if you're a person of faith, then you believe that there is an answer that's good enough to your questions and that God knows that answer. So it's safe to ask him the questions because you're not going to be like left in a situation where there is no answer. Now, whether or not he chooses to reveal that to you at this time, I think there's still an amount of faith in being willing to ask the question, but then to be able to accept if you don't get the answer that you want or that you would hope for. Because I've had health problems since I was quite young. I never really went through why Sage. It was more just, oh, this is the next thing that I have. Yay. Kind of like, and just kind of getting on with it and then learning to adapt to whatever the new thing was. Not like, you know, oh yeah, I'm going to get sick kind of way and thinking about it all the time. But just, you know, that I wasn't, not that I wasn't worried about it, but I wasn't really asking the question, why me? That didn't really appear into my brain. So appear into my brain? That didn't even come up into my mind. And I just thought it was interesting. I never like thought of it from that perspective, like why? Because that would be a logical question that someone would ask. Actually, I thought a really good way that she struck that balance between questioning and accepting the illness and everything was the way that she personified it and addressed it as NF2 and had little arguments with it throughout the book. And particularly at the end when she writes a beautiful letter with the full spectrum of emotions about her battle against this illness. I think she does a really good way of kind of recognizing that it's there and it's a part of her, but also it's a thing that she's battling against and uses a good amount of humor to just be able to tell it off and have a a little argument with it, which I think is definitely an important coping mechanism for everyone I know who has chronic illness to be able to sometimes just use a little bit of humor and maybe slightly sarcastic (laughs) annoyed humor it doesn't come across as bitter it comes across as very real and gracious with a little bit of humor thrown in she was such a musical person like she loved music and obviously she said she says somewhere in it about she can still hear the music that she's listened to before that she played herself and music's a massive part of my life and just What was the last thing that she listened to before the operation? Handel's Messiah, wasn't it? Yeah, and just the fact that she'd chosen that that's what she wanted to listen to before she wasn't going to be able to hear anymore. And I I was just like, that's incredible that she wanted to hear that before. I was getting really emotional. I would totally be like, hey, like I need to get a playlist together. And this is what do I want the last thing to hear and that, that her friends were just there and like sending her messages and she was having those last audible conversations with people 
but even in that you don't hear that bitterness you hear her thrive and just grow and the way that it just comes in she it's just amazing the way that, that she's done this and the way she's written this book it's just really inspiring because the whole of her journey and even the ops that she's having to have now she's still going and she's still strong in her faith and that's just just a constant thing throughout the whole of the book like you say she does kind of personify her illness a bit and I think part of that is all the way through she's very clear that she had this real strong sense of I don't want that to be my identity I want to have an identity separate from the fact that I'm ill and I think that's something I felt very very strongly and one of the things that Emily struggles with through the book is that as her illness progresses it becomes more and more visible and then obviously she becomes deaf and loses her hearing and she can't hide the fact that she's different anymore and I've been very lucky in that my illness is something that most of the time at least I can hide from people and I know that's something that I'm prone to do and there's probably quite a lot of people in my life who know me quite well who don't actually realise that I have Emmy but it did also make me it made me really respect her courage and faith in that reality that everyone's going to know and I think it's so true you know having met Emily her identity is so so much more and that's not what you think you don't think of her as someone who's deaf or someone who has this illness you just think of her as Emily because she has such an identity and such a lovely wonderful strong personality beyond that but I also think that's really something that everyone with illness feels and worries about that it's going to become how people see you is that you're ill or that you're broken. Does anyone else have anything they want to add before we sort of move on to our, our rating of the book? I think I would just say we've obviously not wanted to give too much away about Emily's story because we want you to go and read a book yourself but it really really is an incredibly inspirational encouraging positive story like I've talked about how it's made me cry and I found it quite difficult and it's a very emotional story but I was also laughing at times and I I came away from it feeling uplifted it's a really positive motivational inspirational story and she really has been through so much it's so worth a read genuinely yeah definitely I agree with that so it's probably time now for us to, to give our verdicts as it were we like to rate books out of five stars and we kind of rate them for as ourselves you know how we personally found the book let's start with linda i would not hesitate to give this one a five out of five great story lovely writing style gentle easy to read and positive and uplifting so yeah five out of five from me georgia what would you rank it i think probably a 4.5 and the the only reason it's not a five is that like I say for me personally in some ways it was quite difficult to read I did come away from it feeling uplifted overall but there were also a lot of things that it brought up for me which are probably good things for me to process but it wasn't like a really easy fun read I mean I don't think anyone will find it fun but I also I wish I'd read it earlier I think a few years ago when I was less far along my own journey with chronic illness I actually would have found it really really helpful and I'd maybe already got to a point (laughs) (laughs) it's fine i just was like no you're gonna cut off because the battery's dying on my laptop it was like we guys don't go anywhere Ray is <laughs> currently doing a very interesting dance for those of you who can't see <laughs> no no i've got you back in you're good sorry my bad carry on georgia i apologize that's okay i was basically done i'm busy saying i think it would have been even more helpful to me if i'd read it a few years ago when i was still kind of working my way through along this journey because you, the book really does take you on a journey with Emily and I kind of wish I'd, I'd read it when I was I had more of that journey still to travel myself I think it would have been really helpful back then. Ray what would you give it out of five? 
I would say that I'd give it a, a four and a half out of five. I thought it was a really good book. I think I kind of agree with Georgia. It was a really like wonderful journey to go on because I felt like I was talking to a friend and I really connected with it. It was sort of like going through the journey again and kind of re-experiencing it and kind of going, you know, feeling like you're justified in your feelings and your emotions and kind of it was a nice way to be able to process that. Also, she is absolutely fabulous. Like, she's such a legend. The writing was amazing. And it's just a really good book. And I don't say that lightly. That might sound really intimidating now. I'm not threatening you to go and buy the book. I'm just giving you a high. Nobody <laughs> thought that, right? <laughs> I'm just giving you a, a suggestion that maybe you should think about going and buying the book and, you know, reading it for yourselves because this is a really good book with no yeah. hint of any death involved. This is escalated. I'm going to show up now. Maybe I should mute myself. I think I would definitely give it a five out of five. I was, I think, the first of us to read the book, as was the case of the last book we reviewed, where I recommended it to everyone else. I read it at work. I happened to have a job where, at quiet times, I could, could get a book out, which is fantastic. I was reading it, and it made me cry at work several times, but it also made me laugh. Emily has such an engaging style. She's witty. She's interesting. She has something new to say, and she sort of puts it forward. And even as someone who's not been through chronic illness and probably never go through sort of half the things she has it really I felt taught me a lot and it it helped me to understand a lot about myself and having met Emily more properly since reading it it doesn't surprise me at all I think she's fantastic and I'm not just saying that because I promised her a transcript of this podcast yeah she's great we all love Emily and I only met her like a couple of times she's great like you guys need to read this book it's so good it is one of those ones you just can't put down. And I don't read biographies. So I guess a good place to finish up would be for you guys, Georgia and Ray, who've experienced chronic illness. We mentioned a little bit last week that you're, you've experienced something which a lot of people are currently experiencing for the first time, which is that social isolation that you get when you're stuck in the house and other people are out and about. So with your wealth of experience in this field, do you have any any tips, any advice for people who are currently experiencing that isolation for the first time? I think I would just say, be really kind to yourself and recognize that it's a really difficult thing to be going through. I think it's really easy to get into that kind of comparison game where you're kind of going, well, other people are so much worse off than me. In the case of chronic illness, other people are much more ill than me. And you kind of start playing this comparison game. And I think similarly now, there's so much going on in the world and so many people are hurting in really big ways that it can feel like it's quite selfish to acknowledge that you're just frustrated and bored. But it's okay to feel that way. And feelings feelings aren't invalid. It's okay to be disappointed about the little things and fed up of the little things as well. And acknowledge that acknowledge that it's hard and be gentle with yourself don't feel like you have to have a really wonderful productive day every day just because you're stuck at home you know figure out what you need to do to just keep yourself sane and keep going and have little realistic achievable goals not all these big plans that actually put loads of pressure and stress in yourself i feel like i'm on the opposite side maybe ever so slightly of that i think for me just because i know how hard it like it's been to get myself back into routine I feel like if you fall out of that it can make you feel like you're losing your mind so I would say try and do the things you would normally do as much as you're possibly able to obviously I'm not saying 
go around and run around and meet up with every friend that you know and start hugging them all but just try and keep a normal routine but not trying to pressure yourself too much and just try and figure out another way to get your brain engaged because obviously when you're indoors quite a lot and it's going to be quite mind-numbing to just stay in so just try and find a way to get your brain engaged a bit more so you're not you know dying of boredom whatever that might be you might have been like wanting to learn something that you hadn't got around to learning I'm trying to get better with being better with a routine. So I feel like I would be like, don't lose that. So yeah, find something that you've always wanted to do and uh, give it a try. Also, you don't have to be fabulous at everything the first time. I mean, Linda's like pretty much fabulous at everything first time. That is such a lie. Anything, right. If they could see the hat that you made in quarantine, they would, they, oh my days, guys. You literally give this woman anything creative and she could literally, oh, and Georgia, right? Get her to make, when we're out of quarantine, we should have a massive party. And Georgia can make cakes like you wouldn't believe. I didn't like meringue before, but she's amazing. And Andrew, have you met Andrew? The weightiness just never stops. Anyway, thanks for letting me uh, on the podcast, guys. I thought I'd just, you know, get that all out while I was still allowed on the air. Thanks for coming, Ray. Radio Ray. Yeah, it's been really lovely to have you. Uh, I love being on. With that, we should probably finish up for this week. So thank you for listening. The book we've been reviewing is Still Emily by Emily Owen, which is published by Sarah Grace Publishing. It should be around $8.99 from your local Christian bookshop. If your local shop is closed due to the coronavirus restrictions, check out churchesbookshop.im or Churches Bookshop on Facebook. Even if you're in the UK rather than the Isle of Man, we will be able to get it to you. But look at your local Christian bookshop first. Emily has written a number of other books which are published by Authentic which include the 30 Days with series, where she does devotionals looking at the lives of different biblical characters, including Mary, Esther, John, Elijah, and David. In fact, that's all of them at this point. They're really fantastic. And she's also written two more devotional books called The Power of Seven and God's Calling Cards, also published by Authentic. They're all fantastic. You should buy all of them and read all of them. Look up The Anvil on social media. We are on Facebook. Just search The Anvil website is churchesbookshop.im and scroll down to click on the link for the anvil podcast and you can also subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, google podcast or acast who host us and we really hope that you'll be able to join us again next week where we'll be discussing something that we haven't decided yet for now though this has been the anvil podcast and church's bookshop that's linda that's georgia that's me and that's andrew and we will <laughs> see you next time Bye. Bye. We would like to dedicate this episode of The Anvil to the memory of my dad, Alan Main, who passed away on the 14th of April from COVID-19. Without him, I wouldn't have the faith I do today, and I certainly wouldn't be doing this. In his memory, I've decided to set up a trust which will award grants to churches to help support the development and improvement of their musical worship. If you'd like to donate, you will find a link on our Facebook page. Thank you very much for listening.